the Brothers in Kayfabe. For over two seasons, the revolutionary force in brotherly kayfabe entertainment. And now, Pro Wrestling and Being a Good Brother present the Brothers in Kayfabe. Well, it's the Brothers in Kayfabe, brought to you by Kong's Giant X from Godzilla vs. Kong, the greatest movie of 2021. I am one of your ringside announcers, El Gigante, Jake Keel. We're live, as they said, from the YMCA behind the Little Caesars on 10th and Rockwell. To my left at the announce desk is Mr. Wrestling Landon Bumgarner. Well, hello, everybody. That's right. We are here at the YMCA basketball court. We're not here to play basketball. We're not here for hot and ready's. We are here for season three of the Brothers in Cafe podcast. Jake, how are you doing, man? I'm always here for the hot and readies. Hey, they're not bad. They're hey. hot and they're ready. Little Caesars isn't bad unless you got a little gremlin whispering in your ear that they're bad. That's all I'm going to say. I am fantastic, Mr. Rasslin. I am so good. I could be twins right now. You know, how, what? Are, you, how are you, Landon? I'm good. It's season three, Jake. I'm hyped. I don't know how we made it this far. Quite frankly, I'm shocked we've made it this far, but we are here. R.I.P. Triple J, Jimmy Jackson. We love you. We miss you. Enjoy wrestling heaven. We've done a whole season without Jimmy Jackson. We have. It feels wrong, but, but life also goes so on. right at the same time. Hey, um, long after Jimmy was gone, that wheel's going to keep turning. He's forever turning. in our hearts. And forever uh, in the studio, uh, across the way from me, there is a giant statue of Jimmy. I'm not going to turn the camera to it because it's just going to... It's, it's it's majesty would not be done by my GoPro, so we'll just leave it to the imagination. But if we ever get a physical wing for the, the Brothers in Kayfabe Hall of Fame, he will be right up front. He will be. You'll walk in and you put your your hands up to Jimmy's hands. Speaking of the Brothers in Kayfabe Hall of Fame, the first inductee of the Brothers in Kayfabe Hall of Fame will be announced at the end of this season. You guys don't have to listen to us plug the voicemail box anymore. I mean, you can always call us whenever you want. Yeah, we'll 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 bring it back at some time. Um, but. Let's take a quick little break ski and we will hear from you guys via voicemail. My question for y'all is who would be the ultimate comeback at WrestleMania to win the Universal Championship? Hmm. Who would be the ultimate comeback at WrestleMania to win the Universal Championship? Who do you think, Jake? 
who would be the ultimate comeback. So I wonder, do they mean like someone who's currently not wrestling comes back to win the old, the, the universal championship? I, I think so. How do we want to approach this? I think it's got to be a returned versus a debut. Okay. Like instead of a debut. That's a good gotcha. question. I uh, want to thank Dan Redeker for asking that too. I recognize the voice. Uh, thank you, Dan. Um, Dan, the man. <laughs> I would think uh, at this point, logically, the the best returning person you could have to come and dethrone uh, Roman Reigns would be The Rock. I I think you're right on the money. Um, it's logical to the story they're telling. Yeah. Do it. I, I mean, not to repeat history, but to repeat history, not just once in a lifetime, not just twice in a lifetime, but thrice in a lifetime. Three and straight think, WrestleManias. Yeah. I think you have The Rock return, take the title from Roman, and then there you go, the... Rematch is set up for WrestleMania Hollywood. Hey, you know what they should do? They should bring back Bob Holly, let him win the title and beat everybody. Hey, at this point, I would take Hardcore Holly back in the WWE. <laughs> um, that's the logical choice for me. I would think, you know, cool factor. Uh, it would be cool if they they made a star in the process. But mm. I don't know if really WWE's into that anymore. And I know um, I, I don't know who you could get to that level, right? That Roman hasn't already like plowed through. I really want to see Big E, but it looks like uh, tonight he's calling his shot. We are recording on Monday night. He's called his shot for the WWE title. So, but I would have loved to see Big E dethrone. Uh, the uh, Universal Champion and get that huge rub. Hey, we recorded live whenever Nikki Cross cashed in. Maybe Big E will cash in successfully. Maybe. We are recording a little earlier than normal today. So it is true. But uh, that's so because it's season three. And as you've already heard so far, this is an exciting episode. And, you know, this mailbag portion, it's special. And don't worry, we'll get back to the regular pod in a little bit, but this is celebration. Celebration. It is a celebration. We're cracking beers and we're having some fun. Uh, Landon's got his, oh, hell yeah, shirt on. I got my Hulk rules. There you go. Shirt. The two we're, biggest we're draws, brother. We are. And with that, let's listen to another voicemail let's from our lovely friends and family. Vern, I thought you said that this was set up for our podcast. What is this, Brothers in Kayfabe? Are they ripping us off, Vern? Give me a call back. Uh, was that? I Who was that? I don't... Th it can't be. <laughs> there's, there's no way. There's we, no way. Are, is someone trying to invade us? I... Okay, so early on, whenever Jake and Jimmy and myself decided to start this podcast, we received 
some very unkind email. Um, yeah. Which, judging by the fact it was photo scans of, well, it looked like it had been typed out on typewriter and photo scanned and somehow sent over via email. The, the person is using old old material. It looked like he had dial-up internet. Yeah. it's. I mean, it was, it was awful, but it... A gentleman named Vern Simmons um, and his co-host, um, Kinzer Keel, it seemed the two of them... A good-looking guy, by the way. Hey, that that's on you. It seems like the two of them used to have a, a show called Kayfabe Wrestling News, and it, oddly enough, it was on the radio for 999 Years. episodes and then the 1000th episode they switched over to podcast which props for longevity um but that hey, sounded dude, a know, lot like just trying to keep it Kinzer. going yeah uh, it did sound a lot like former world champion Kinzer Keel um but yeah that was weird that was yeah. really weird i well, don't even uh, know how they got this phone number i don't either let's uh let's make things right with a real voicemail if we can um, let's see what we've got here. What's up, brothers in K Fabe? It's the California Dreamboat, Johnny Cove here, and I've got two questions for you. One the first question is, why the hell have I not been on the show? And two, if you could go back in time to attend any live professional wrestling event in history, what show would it be and why? Wow. Well, Johnny Cove. Johnny Cove, baby. I mean, we've got... We've got the, a legitimate wrestler. Uh, the most beautiful mullet in the land. The absolute best. I mean... So to start the answer... Unless you've got something else to add for Johnny. No, I, I, you go ahead. Go ahead. Start the answer. I'm going to go ahead and, and give the folks at home a little preview of stuff to come. This fall, we are going to have our first live show live via Facebook, but live with live, all of our friends. We're booking talent. And the first person we booked is Johnny Cove. Johnny Cove will be cracking open a cold one on this show live at Brotherfest 2021. I'm excited. I'm excited too. There, in my personal belief, I don't think there's anyone better to brother out with then Johnny Cove. But to answer his other question, because yes, Johnny, we are going to get you on the show. I think we've got... Yeah, I think you're right, Jake. I think it's got to be the live show. We kick him off. Um, and then we can do a deep dive with him. He's he's booked for that. We're paying him a hot dog and a handshake on that one. That's, and that's then all working, we can afford. We're working on booking him for a full show by himself, which at that point, we'll pay, we'll pay him for yeah. that one. Hey, uh, for you know, $5 a month, you can help us book Johnny Cove on the show. Exactly. And that's for your benefit. But to answer his other question, if we could go back in time and attend any pro wrestling show live, what would it be and why? That's a great question. 
huh. have my answer. Go go for it. I gotta think. It is the it is the show that made me a wrestling fan. It is the first pay per view I'd ever seen a bite on a VHS tape. WrestleMania three. I love it. That's a great answer, and it's it, it's it's the low hanging fruit because it's the you know greatest WrestleMania of all time, arguably. But. To be able to see Macho Man versus Ricky Steamboat, the classic five-star match they put on, I mean, uh, I have to go with it. There's there's no there's nothing better than that. Yeah, I and you know it it's low hanging fruit, but it's because it's withstood the test of time. I think I think I'm going to go Bash at the Beach 96. Another low-hanging fruit, but a very well-deserved. I want to throw a pizza cutter at Hulk Hogan's hot dog skin <laughs> just to see what happens. You might you might get uh get beat down. <laughs> might have your hands full with some Kevin Nash. That is true. What a great question. It was a great WrestleMania question. WrestleMania 3 and Bash at the Beach 96. Let's hear another voicemail. Hey, it's the Heartbreak Kid. Look, the icon has headlined plenty of WrestleManias, and I know exactly what's going through your head right now. You're feeling the pressure. You're feeling the weight of expectation pressing down on you. All I have to say is this. When your music hits, just let it go. You made it this far for a reason. And that's because you're the best. Present company accepted, of course. Jake? Well, did Shawn Michaels just hype up season three? I think he was talking about Brotherfest. I think he was. Did someone tell Shawn Michaels about Brotherfest? If you've got connections to the biz and you made this happen, thank you, thank you, thank you. We <laughs> is there any possible way to make Shawn Michaels show up at Brotherfest? Whoever Brotherfest. got him on here, whoever gave him our number, get a please hold of do us. it again. Yeah, please. We <laughs> we want to give you a fee, a free Patreon account. Yeah, absolutely. Like. We'll give you tears that don't even exist yet, just for free, just for you. I, wow that 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 blows my mind. That just that that blew my mind. It's <laughs> it's going to be hard to top that, but let's try. How long do you feel like it's going to be before AEW is competing in the ratings with Raw and SmackDown? How long do we think until AEW is competing with Raw and SmackDown in the ratings? Jake, would you like to take this? First, in the future, guys, when you call in, make sure to say your name so we can properly uh, let you know who who you are. Um, Phil, was that you? That may be Phil. That may have been Phil. Uh, I don't think it's going to be long. I mean, Monday night, or this last week, they beat... um, 
they beat Raw in is it the 18 to 34 bracket? Something like that. And they're now regularly pushing 1.4, 1.5 million on on Dynamite. I think we're still in that stage where a lot of casual wrestling fans don't know what AEW is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you hear people complaining about them picking up big stars that were WWE people. It's only going to help. Yeah, it's I mean, they're taking established stars. It's going to put more eyes on the product. Yeah. And I think and, and we saw with, you know, Punk showed up, popped the ratings a little bit. And then the week later uh, with with both Dynamite and Rampage, you saw a little bit of a decrease from little drop off. Yeah. But I mean, that's that's it expected. But it, it it is cool to see, you know, there was a little bit of a boost from, you know, there's probably people that tuned in to see him return or like, okay, well, now I want to see what he does next. So I, right. I don't think it'll be long. And, well, you know, and, and All Out set a record for most pay-per-view buys for AEW. So, yeah. you know, they're on the they're on the track. Yeah. And competition is always a good thing. There's no way around that. It brought out the best in WWF. Yeah. It brought it out. When it WCW did. was at the top of their game, it brought out the biggest stars in this company. You're right. So let's see. Let's see what else we've got in here. Hey, this is Kurt Angle. I just wanted to call and tell you to enjoy your last few hours of being able to walk without crutches. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, who's booking this? I don't know. Is this the rib? Is this because... Do you, do you pay for ad-free shows? I do not. I circumvent the uh, paywall. Maybe this is our, our punishment for not supporting ad-free shows. <laughs> Maybe. Conrad is having his clients send his death threats. Maybe, but, you know, I think we've got... We've got, we've got a, a couple more. Yeah. Let, let's see what we've got. I think this one. I don't think we've played yet. We have played that yes, one. Yes, we have played that one. Let's try this one. We've played yeah, that one, too. That one. Hey, there we go. Guys, what is up? It's your boy Raj from the Collecting Yo. Raj podcast, aka the Collecting Raj Instagram, aka the Collecting Raj YouTube channel, aka your one time, only Speaking time. Just kidding. I'll be on again. Uh, Temporary co host of the Brave yeah. podcast. However, I am calling you guys today to ask you a question for your QA episode. So here is my question. It's actually a two parter. First of all, with the return of CM Punk. And knowing that Landon is not a continual consumer of product on television as a broadcast on a week-to-week basis, will this change now that CM Punk is back in the fold? I do know that Jake does consume the product weekly as it broadcasts more often than not. However, Jake has made it, or Landon, excuse me, has made it very clear that he does not. So, will that change his perspective on that? Two, also, Second question, with CM Punk coming back, and this is the most important question, along with all the dynamics is going to change in the wrestling industry as a whole, from the fan base to incoming talents, anything like that, uh, 
as well as, um, you know, television broadcast and general interest among the general public. The big hot question I've got to find out from you guys is that with this happening now, how big is Batista's contract going to be when they sign him? Anyway, thanks again, guys. Remember, Clucky Raj, James Plug. Peace out. <laughs> I'll tell you how big Batista's contract is. Um, whatever he wants it to be, Tony Khan will get. Me. He'll get Daddy Khan's card, and we'll we'll make the deal happen regardless. Okay, so to <laughs> to address the first part of that question, maybe. Um, I did tune in to watch CM Punk's return. I with everyone else, we wanted to see. Okay, is this actually going to happen or not? I I did watch all out. We watched all out, um, which, if you're listening to this segment of the podcast, you'll notice early on in the show we did talk about all out and our our takeaways from it. I trust me. I want every reason in the world to watch a full broadcast of wrestling. I've just yet to. Um, encounter something all the way and not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but for me, I think I've been burnt out on, okay, there were a couple of segments that were really good and the rest, I could have cared less if I saw it or not. Um, that's me with every current product, even obviously an hour is a lot more easily digestible and easy to squeeze in. Um, cause I'm aware of everything that happens. Um, I keep up to date with everything. I just may not watch the entire broadcast live. So I, I want every reason in the world to do it. As of now, I'm okay with just catching the highlights. Um, but going on to the other half of Roger's question, Jake, how do you think CM Punk's return is going to affect the industry of pro wrestling? It's a tonal shift. It's it's a shift into kind of what we had in the late 90s. In WWF, we have sports entertainment. And over here, we have pro wrestling with entertainment added in, which is what pro wrestling is. It's always been entertainment with wrestling. You know, instead of a, a a fight out in the parking lot, they do battle in the ring. I think it's going to make AEW much more competitive. They've brought in CM Punk. They have a legit headliner, proven headliner now. Not that Kenny Omega is not a headliner, but he's not a U.S. guy as mm-hmm. far as been on your TV for years and years and years. Not you're that Punk's not at been the on top. the TV in a while. You're not at the top unless you've been in the top in WWE. Right. Now, that's about to change because we have AEW and they are legitimate threat now. But CM Punk has been on TV. He was on TV in WWE for 10 years. And he was tippy-top. How many reigns with the title did he have? Right. At least four that I can think of? Yeah, four or five. So 
they have their legit headliner now. And him coming over is going to start making the floodgates kind of open up. Because we already have Adam Cole. Adam Cole has been on your TV for three years. He's got a following. Then you have Daniel Bryan, who has arguably one of the greatest WrestleMania moments of the last two decades. He, these guys push the needle. And we're going to start seeing that needle. It may not go all the way over to AW, but it's going to center up. And we're in a situation again where there's competition. There's real competition. AEW's been a great show throughout. But now they have this legitimate threats on their roster to Vince McMahon's empire. CM Punk was kind of the Hulk Hogan move. It was, oh, these guys have the cash and they have the atmosphere to bring this guy out of retirement? I want to watch that. And yeah. it's no dog against WWE, but there are reasons why he didn't want to work there no more. Yeah, and I, I we've talked about it uh, in season two. I think the, the thing AEW is doing the best job at is creating that environment where people want to work. Right. Where there's creative freedom but more importantly i mean just the simple thing of like hey like if you get hurt or sick like you're gonna be taken care of like you're not just a right 1099 worker anymore so i i think i think that's going like you said i think that's going to be a huge driving shift just in changing the landscape i mean and showing showing that it's we saw what they did with the Brody Lee situation. The guy was dying. They continued to pay him. They are now paying his son, who is 10? Yeah. Like, 10 or 11. They're taking care of their guys. Mm -hmm. And that's a, a, a business I want to support. Yeah. I'll I, say don't care, I don't care what their wrestling content is like. Yeah, they're not going to wind up with the Legends lawsuit of everyone right. that they can't afford their surgery or they have brain damage, so they're going to sue for financial compensation. So I think with that, I think there's going to be some some good changes overall. Great question. That was a great question. I think we've got two more. So let's see what we've got. I hope this is the right one. Yeah, I don't think we played this one. This is Mark Megger, and I grew up watching world-class championship wrestling as a team. The first ever main event I got to see in person was Bruiser Brody versus Kamala, and that was quite a wild event. Wow. I've seen the Von Erickson Freebirds wrestling in person, and I also became so obsessed I had to buy a VCR so I could record Saturday Night Wrestling because my date stopped believing I had a 10.30 curfew. Thanks, guys. Bye. That's amazing. Mark, thank you for calling in. Uh, and if you're not part of our Facebook group, join Brothers in Kayfabe on Facebook. 
Mark and, is a constant poster. Yeah, and some of the photos that he still has saved from those shows are incredible. Insane. I mean, seeing Kamala versus Bruiser Brody, like, take that, everybody who has gotten to see Alberto Del Rio versus Dolph Ziggler in Oklahoma City. Like, <laughs> I have. I'm <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like that's that just that era of wrestling um, in the territories that it wasn't uncommon to see great shows like that. Right. That was a great that was a great phone call. I was I I we need to have him on the show. We do and talk to him. We absolutely just, do. We need to talk to him about that and we need to talk to Roger about Mid South. We absolutely do. And eventually get the two of them together. Yeah. All right. I think we've got one more voicemail and then we'll get back to the regular pod. So let's hope it's a good question. Uh, and thank you again for those of you who did call in. I think we got to everybody. Um, and seriously, thank you guys for calling in because we want you to be a part of season three. So right here we go. All right, listen to me, you son of a bitch, and you listen good. I'll be damned if I'll let you come to my arena and do whatever the hell you want. Who the hell do you think you are? You show your face here tonight, and I'll make sure you get the beating of a lifetime. I'll even call it a match, just so no one goes to jail for taking out trash like you. Yeah? You just come on down. Did we oh. just get threatened by Vince McMahon? I take back... The Del Rio versus Dolph Ziggler comment. That's that was your fault. <laughs> that's all, that's on me. Well, we he he must be mad that we're trying to book uh, MSG for a future brother fest. I I think so too, Vince. You know I love you. You know I'll always be a loyalist to you for what you have done for my fandom. Don't kill me. That's all I ask. I know we talk about AEW a lot, but. Yikes. Yeah. So uh, I say we get back to the regular pod. I say we do too. <laughs> and we're back. Thank you once again, everybody who participated with the voicemails. That was some great was fun, but it was weird. Um, yeah, I'm not again, quite sure what some of that was, but whoever got some of those, some of those voicemails set up, uh, Hook us up with those contacts. Maybe right. not the last one, because we're not trying to get sued by any means possible. Right. So man. we were we were gonna talk about something. Oh, the lies of Hogan. The lies of Hogan. Let's, let's dive into that real quick before we get out of here. So there was a thread on Twitter. If you're listening to this, I think it went live um, on Sunday, and <laughs> I love it and hate it at the same time, because um, I love Hogan, I, the ultimate brother, no pun intended. It was the reason I wore this shirt today. I mean, we've, we've all known Hogan stretches the truth a little bit. Yeah, just a tad. <laughs> and a thread came out of some of Hogan's most notorious lies. And I love him because I was one of those people when I got into wrestling 
found out who Hogan was. Like, I believed every word he said. Like, he's the ultimate babyface, right? Even when he's an NWO. Right. And so, like, you know, every time he lied blatantly about, I've never done steroids. I would never do that. It's like, I believed him until I read his autobiography. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Hulk, no. Why? Why? Would you like to read some of these with me, Jake? Yeah, let's do it. Go ahead and uh, read the first one, and I'll pull. Can you send me the link to it so I can pull it up over here? <clears throat> I will. I'm sending it to you right now via oh, DM. I, I sent that link earlier. Yes. Um, so I've got it pulled up on <laughs> Twitter right now. Here's one of my personal favorites, and these may or may not be true. We'll let you decide. Hulk was an all-state pitcher in high school and that he was scouted by both the New York Yankees and the Cincinnati Reds, but an injury prevented him from signing with either team. Here's another one. Hogan claims he's the one who first noticed Kevin Owens' potential. Well, I hate to brag about it, but I'm the first one to point the finger at Kevin Owens after a decade of solid work in the Indies. The wrestler director, Darren Aronofsky, offered him the lead role three times. Hogan claims he turned it down because, well, I just didn't deserve it there, brother. Aronofsky uh, denies that Hogan was ever even considered for the <clears throat> Hogan starred in Mr. Nanny and Santa with muscles. And Those Hogan are true. Claims- Those are true. <laughs> Hogan claims... He rewrote both scripts entirely by himself, only to have his writing credits stolen from him by the Dastardly Writers Guild. <clears throat> kind of like he, he and uh, Vince McMahon supposedly rewrote No Holds Barred in one night. Yeah, in a um, hotel room. Hogan says <clears throat> he used to fight pride fighters in the 70s. <laughs> pride Fighting Championships was founded in 1997. There's now, an. Go ahead. I was just going to say, there's an interview clip somewhere where he talks about this. Now, could Hogan be mistaking pride fighting for something else that maybe was like prize fighters? He, I think he very well could be because it's interesting that he would say pride. But we also see, let me scroll down, see if I can find this one real quick. Hogan also claimed that he was asked to join a startup company known as UFC. (laughs) While UFC wasn't nearly as popular as it is today, Hogan said he wouldn't have joined because, and I quote, guys get beat up when the fight should be stopped. But he fought a lot of pride fighters. Yeah. Um, My favorite. John Belushi sadly died in 1982. But apparently, according to Hul- to the Hulkster, he partied with him after WrestleMania II in 1986. <laughs> Which I love. And l- let me read this one. We alluded to it earlier. He claimed, Hogan claimed he's the first person to slam Andre, which we know is not true. And that Andre weighed 600 pounds when Hogan slammed him. And this is talking about WrestleMania 3. And then Hogan claims that Andre died a few days later after the slam. And Hogan also claims that he tore 18 muscles in his back by slamming Andre. Now, WrestleMania 3 is in 1987. 
Andre the Giant died in 1993. And wrestled up until his <laughs> right. death. Right. He didn't wrestle well, <clears throat> but he wrestled. I mean, don't even Google the fact that Andre the Giant shows back up at WrestleMania 4 the next year. but Right. Hogan told Undertaker that he had caused permanent damage to his neck by botching that tombstone spot. And Taker believed him for the better part of two years before finally seeing a tape of the match, which clearly shows Hogan's head came nowhere near the chair that he tombstoned him on. And it's true. You can look at the footage. There's more than I read earlier, so this is this is exciting. Yeah, I mean, they're... <laughs> How long does they're this in... go? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, there's, there's so many... This might become um, a recurring segment on the show. I, I think we save this and we we read more. Um, I'm going to find one more that I want to read. Um, <laughs> this is one of my favorites. He claims that the Foreman Grill was going to be offered <laughs> to him and that he was going to take it. And this is true because it's on Hogan Knows Best. That Hogan claimed on an episode of Hogan Knows Best that the reason he didn't get the offer for the Foreman Grill was because he was picking his kids up at school. So then he got the Hulk Hogan blender instead. Oh, uh, one more. And this one's well known. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> Hogan claims that both Metallica and the Rolling Stones wanted him as their bass player. But Metallica member Lars Ulrich came to Hogan himself to ask him to play with the group. I'm just saying. In an alternate universe, Hulk Hogan is the bassist for on Metallica. Enter Sandman. <clears throat> and the Sandman in ECW is Hulk Hogan. Hey. Brothers in kayfabe, what if? Maybe that'll be one of our every other week episodes. I think every week we need to read two Hogan lies. I think until so we run out of them. <laughs> I think we do that. I think we absolutely do that. Also, I really want to get his autobiography where he talks about the night that he almost committed suicide. Hey. Have you ever listened to that story? Yeah. You need oh to. Gosh. There's also an A&E documentary. It's probably up on YouTube where he, he talks about it and it's. It's like a fever dream. We love you, Hulk. We wouldn't <laughs> we be do. here if it wasn't for you. But my gosh. The greatest anyway. brother in all of kayfabe. Without a doubt, he is the greatest mullet in professional wrestling. He is the Duke of the Dropkick. A master of the suplex. A man who has been in more bedrooms than Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Hulu combined. He is the best around. He is Johnny Cove. To check out more of Johnny Cove, follow his social media and pick up a shirt at ProWrestlingTees.com. And then Roman defeats the, the demon. Okay. This is the noteworthy part of the night. What was that end? So, I liked it. Now, before the before the toxic wrestling fans come after me and send me pictures 
of street views of my house and send me pictures of my <laughs> wife's profile and my employment and all that kind of stuff. Um, which if you take wrestling that far, what's wrong with you? You have a problem. You you have a problem. Uh, if you're sending physical threats to people and their children and their spouses because you don't agree with their pro wrestling take, you're the biggest yeah. mark of them all. But anyway, I loved it. And here's was it cheesy? Yes. Apparently, someone saw them before the match messing with the turnbuckle. <laughs> Which I, I think makes it even worse. I but. chalk it up to every time the ring breaks and every time there's a hell now with the new hell in the cell, not the red one, but the really tall one. Every time there's a hell in the cell spot where someone goes through the announce table, there's if, for some of the spots they want to do that it's really unlikely that it would happen in real life or. It's right. really not practical to pull it off safely without um, gimmicking it really well. I mean, they're normally cheesy. Let's go back to the blood and guts match with Jericho falling. Oh, yeah. Onto that. I mean, it's you uh, could see the crash pad. Yeah, it was bad. Whenever he went through the cardboard, the steel plated cardboard and. Right. Or uh, like, you know, Moxley versus Omega with the poof at the end. Oh, it's, yeah. With that stuff, it's hard not to. WWE, every time, um, whether it's Shane McMahon or Kevin Owens or whoever, every time now when someone does the Hell in the Cell spot, you see the humongous airbag oh, yeah. underneath. Every time, the first time... Uh, Brock and Big Show broke the ring. It looked that's probably the best it could have oh, looked. It looked great. Well, even whenever uh, Mark Henry and Big Show did the same thing, it yeah. looked incredible. But then when we've seen Braun Strowman do it, and it's like it's too perfect. So they fall like the opposite posts fall at the exact same time in the exact same way. And you, you can almost see like the not the the swivel but like the the placement that they're in where it's like whoop like it falls perfectly right and it's, i just go ahead i was just gonna say so with that in mind like i don't know what else could have happened other than like hey act like we're tightening the turnbuckles or like switch out the ropes and just put out a top rope that's already like is already kind of thinned out. Yeah. Um, a gimmicked one. Yeah, because the way they did it, if you watch it, it's not just the one, the turnbuckle fin is standing on breaks. It's all of the top ones just kind of collapse like that. Yeah. Um, I here's, here's the thing. Fans complain and complain and complain about, well, they don't use the demon enough. You know, when's the oh, last time we, we've seen the demon? The same people who were marking out and loved whenever the demon squashed Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania are no. the same people who are like, this is the cheesiest phony. Like, how can they continue to insult us this way and think we would watch this? And it's like, <clears throat> this, I mean, obviously it wasn't as well done, but 
you look at any of the supernatural stuff Undertaker, Kane, Mankind have done, and it's like the Undertaker shooting lightning and catching stuff on fire, or right the under. I mean, are we going to talk about how many times does someone open the casket? And Undertaker is in there, and it's clearly like previously recorded footage. But right. then Undertaker, he's in the casket, and he's mysteriously in the ring at the same time. This, ladies and gentlemen, just proves that me and Mr. Wrestling don't always agree, and that's why we love each other. I don't I th- think the problem was with the supernatural part. I think it was the execution of it. I think it's the execution. It's the same. This is coming from the same person who is an AEW lover, but hated the ending to an otherwise great match between Moxley and Omega. The exploding barbed wire hated the ending to an otherwise great match. That was blood and guts. I think I'm in. They've got the money. They, they could have done it better because from a storytelling perspective like that's that's something new you know oh yeah we're adding to the demon lore that okay like he's dead but all of a sudden like like that music hits and he's full powered again i don't think it would have been as bad for me if they didn't turn off the lights yeah it's it's weird that they kept it. it it was just a weird thing like it's kind of like they tried to do with Wyatt a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, they could have kept... If the ending would have been Finn winning, it would make yeah. sense to keep the lights red because, like, the match was almost over anyway. Right. And it's like, oh, like, that's something crazy that just happened. But the fact that... So, for those of you who have not seen it, you can go find it probably on YouTube or on Peacock. What happens is Roman almost has Finn beat, and then all of a sudden, part of the demon's music hits, the lights turn red, and the demon shoots up to his feet. Which I'm okay with. Yeah. he throws I like that. He throws Roman in the ring, goes up to the top rope for his finisher, and all of a sudden, all four of the top turnbuckles break. He falls down to the ring, catches him off guard just enough for Roman to hit the spear. What's crazy, and this is what kind (laughs) of pulls me out of this suspension of disbelief is as soon as the turnbuckles break the lights go back to normal right which it's like that doesn't make sense like either it looks it would have looked bad for the lights to stay on and the demon get beat like that because then it kind of says like oh hey like when the supernatural stuff is going he's still easy to beat they should have right. either cut the lights as soon as he got to his feet or kept the lights on, not done that finish, and have him go over. All that to say, I like the idea. I like that they're trying. It just wasn't the best execution. At least it's not Fiend versus Seth Rollins, Hell in the Cell. Horrible. And the news is brought to you by the Pain Insurance Agency. Call the Pain Insurance Agency today with Farmers and MetLife for a free competitive home and auto quote. Landon, you called the Pain Insurance Agency, didn't you? 
That's right, Jake. Me and my wife, we had an emergency at our apartment. There's a lot of flooding and Payne Insurance Agency took care of us right away and got us the coverage that we needed. But Jake, you also have a policy through Payne Insurance Agency, don't you? Yes, I do, Landon. I, uh, they, the people over at Payne take care of both of our home and auto insurance. So if you want to have world champion level coverage, then call the Payne Insurance Agency at 405-286-3600 and get your valuables covered right away. And we are back. Now it's time for our interview with the one, the only, Jerry the Boss, Bossick. Jerry, how are you doing today? I'm great, guys. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Hey, we we virtually here. I'm not physically here. Yeah. Virtually. Virtually. Yeah. We we wish you were physically here, but we're glad you're here nonetheless. So maybe one day. Maybe, maybe. one day. That's maybe. a very fitting Sandman shirt you have on. Oh, thank you. This hey, is uh, it is. A friend of mine made made this, so I he sent me one and I it's one of my favorite shirts. So you know, I was I was very shocked uh in Wichita a couple of weeks ago, just how over Sandman still is. You know, I was never uh, never a big ECW guy. Really. Yeah. I mean, of course, I'm familiar with it, but I was, and we've had a lot of ECW people, but that was my first time working with him. And, and you know, even uh, like, you know, that show when his entrance, you know, his music hit, you know, Inner Sandman. I mean, it's, you know, that's a timeless song, first of all. But like his entrance out of all the people I've worked with had to be top five. I mean, it oh, was yeah. great. And, you know, I, I guess he doesn't really drink anymore. So he was just pouring the beer in other people's mouths and they were so happy for it to be done. You know, I, I went to the restroom during the intermission and uh, I guess I could have went to the bathroom in the back, but I just went to the public bathroom and this guy was in there. He's like, oh man, it's like one of the greatest nights of my life. Same man poured his beer all over me. And I was like, okay. I mean, that's great. You know, well, you say that <laughs> he was, he was at a show in New Jersey a couple days ago and some people in a group that I'm in were posting a video of him pouring a beer down their throat and i was like it's amazing that a guy that is just that over and you know it's he, he's over because of an entrance yeah you know I, I think it's just the character in general and it's um it's amazing to see just the connection that you can have with people you know it's like i, I tell my people all the time i'm like you may not realize it but whenever you connect with somebody emotionally you come out you're holding their emotions in the palm of your hand for this 10 minutes or however long they're out there. And it's up to you what you do with that. You know, you can take them along for this ride. Yeah. You can do so many different things with it. You can totally ignore them. I mean, you can do, you can totally just say, Hey, we got this beforehand. This now it's going to go no matter what, or you can listen. You know, I always try to encourage them, listen to what they're telling you. If you listen to them, they're telling you when to go from one thing to the next. Exactly. And I'd say Sandman totally has that figured out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I see this a lot on social media. There, There's always a little thing of someone saying, okay, if you have to introduce wrestling to someone, you know, what are you going to show them? And Sandman's entrances from, like, the ECW One Night Stands, like, are easily, like, one of the go-tos. Because if you have nothing, if you have no concept of professional wrestling or experience with it or watching it, you watch those entrances and just like how contagious because you have the power of Metallica and how famous that song is. And just like how quickly the 
camaraderie of that just spreads and it's just like oh like cool like you know if some random person on the street like poured beer like down my throat like i'd be yeah, really be upset. trying to fight him yeah yeah <laughs> but with but, him it's okay yeah it's like <laughs> man like I, like yeah like it's just just that the was atmosphere the that's what you do exactly yeah, i mean it's like a given you know and it's like they were waiting on him they were literally waiting on him to come over there right you know it's, it's, but you're right yeah if somebody did that in real life i'd be like what's up man yeah <laughs> you know? exactly but he gets a free pass you know but i think too a lot of that too you know the music selection you know i always go over that whenever you know we're training people or bringing them up or whatever your your music should be first of all your gimmick should be a natural extension of yourself because mm-hmm. if right. you can't buy into it and you can't sell it why would anybody buy it but your music is right there with it you know your music has to be that's a representation of your character too when you come out and those things whenever you get that right combination of both of them somebody that understands what they're doing and then they understand how the music goes with it that's when you get something magical like that you know and oftentimes, I mean, look at Ultimate Warrior, same thing. You know, I mean, it didn't matter what he did in the ring. By the time he got there, you were like, oh, man. Oh, my God, yes. Like, ah, shake those ropes. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, uh, it it made no difference. So that, that's when you know, I mean, it's, I mean, you, you think about all the different things that make a superstar. The biggest superstars of all time at those phases of their lives, whenever they were carrying the ball, probably with the exception of Ric Flair, you know, that they weren't necessarily the best workers. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that the, you know, like look at Hogan, Hogan. I mean, he could work when he wanted, if you've ever seen any, any of his Japan work. Oh yeah. But he was smart enough to realize like he didn't have to mm-hmm. here. You know, look at Austin. Austin was a much better worker for a stone cold Steve Austin or stunning Steve Austin, but he didn't make it until he found himself character wise. And then that didn't matter. Didn't matter. He bumped his knees out by then, and he wasn't quite the worker he used to be. It didn't matter. You know, it's, I think the emotional connection of a character to fans is kind of underrated at this point. Mm-hmm. I think wrestling, we've we've seen wrestling shift so much. You know, wrestling used to be customer or not customer based, character based, and it used to be your job to reach out and get those emotions in your palm of your hand. Now I think in a lot of ways it's shifted to moves. Like, what kind of cool moves can you do? Whatever the case may be. And, you know, you can do a 450 or whatever the cool new move is. But the second that you leave that town, if you didn't make that emotional connection with them, the next person that comes along doing that 450 or whatever the hell comes after the 450, (laughs) you know, then they're cooler than you. And they already forgot about you because you did not make that connection. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. I say it all the time. Emotion over motion. And it's just this idea of like, yeah, like I'm all for like seeing great in-ring work, but what's the reason to make me want to watch that? Like even, and even with just natural storytelling, I was talking to a guy the other day about like wrestling tournaments are so cool because it's easy, low hanging fruit of storytelling. Like, okay, here's this tournament to determine who's the best. And there's a natural story in that, but it's like, yeah, there's a destination, you know, where it's going. Exactly. And you know, there's a purpose. There, there needs to be a purpose. There should be a purpose to everything. Yeah. Right. Instead of just like, oh crap, we we got like people here. We need to fill some time. Ten man tag. Right. right. <laughs> what? I mean, I don't know about y'all, but that's some of the. 
I don't go to yeah. a show for a 10 man tag. Right. I, yeah. I, you know, AEW, I think, or the, I mean, internet community, don't come get me for this. I like <laughs> AEW. I think it's hilarious. But like, they do more six man, eight man, 10 man tags than anything I've ever seen on a wrestling show. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's like gone for both companies. Gone are the days of, you know, every spot on the card had a purpose and there was a reason to watch. Now, obviously the main events probably going to be a lot more exciting than the opening match, but there's still a reason to watch the opening match. Exactly. And, you know, obviously, I mean, I'm not crapping on their booking. I actually enjoy, to some degree, almost every wrestling show on. I'm not the perfect booker either. There's been people that have rewritten my shows on the internet, and that's great. Y'all might be better at it than I am, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and you know, like I said, I, I happen to like AEW. It just seems more often than not, there's a lot of people on that show. Mm. You know, one of my buddies, uh, a Hall of Famer, he said, "Have you ever counted how many people are on?" an episode of dynamite and i was like no <laughs> and he goes i watched it one night and in two hours they had 55 people on television i was like wow i had never thought about it like that hmm. but you know i mean that's an awful lot of people in two hours and mm -hmm. honestly you know aw is my favorite show to watch right now because i do find it entertaining but i also go into it watching it like okay i don't expect this to make a lot of sense in certain areas and i'm okay with it. you know like whenever they came out dressed up like space jam i watched that like two or three times and laughed so hard like i just kept <laughs> watching i thought that was great oh yeah you know and you know i don't know i mean what what is you guys favorite show to watch right there's no right or wrong answer right right now i i watch primarily dynamite i watch a little bit of smackdown i don't really get the time to watch Raw. There's just too much of it for me. You don't get me. the time or you don't make time? I don't I don't make the time. <laughs> if I made the time, my wife you know, might I think me. At this, but, this you know. Point, there's only so many hours you can watch wrestling a week. Right? Yeah. That yeah. is true. And it's fantastic there's so much wrestling on. But, yeah, if you have a significant other, you can't sit there and watch it nonstop. I, I would say right now my favorite show is is Dynamite and followed closely by Impact. Ah, Impact. See, I can't even get Impact. Um, I have Hulu Live. Access is even on Impact or is even on Hulu Live. Um, yeah. You know, I think SmackDown right now is the best out of the WWE shows, which is odd to mm, me because I, I thought for the longest NXT was better. And uh, I'm not really sure what they have going on. <laughs> right now I, I think that's it's, uh, super fair <laughs> it's a big transition for them and i'm not against the color schemes or the lighting or anything like that i think it's nice and it's different but right it seems like they really tried to gut the whole program and i don't know if i was going to gut one of the three programs it probably would have been monday night Raw. Mm -hmm. yeah but once again i'm not knocking wwe they're making more money than they've ever made yeah obviously they don't need my input <laughs> and I think that's the crazy thing is that, like you said, there's just so many options for wrestling right now that there there's not enough time in the in the week. And even with you know smaller promotions with stuff like Fight TV, to where hey you know twenty bucks gets you our monthly show, and you know used to you'd have to buy the DVD or you'd have to buy the tape or you just have to 
happened to live close enough to where you could drive and see that show. And now there's just like, it, it blows my mind when people like former wrestling fans just say like, I just can't find anything I like. And it's like, how? Like there's just Man, so much. You know, I think that this society has changed so much and it's almost like, and I'm not saying everybody, I'm saying uh, a large group of people, or maybe not even a large group, a lot of people, they want programming that caters specifically to them. Mm -hmm. And they expect things to be a certain way, the way they want it. And oftentimes they no longer have the appreciation for something that is necessarily not what they wanted. You know, like instead of seeing like, uh, instead of looking at things from a positive point of view and thinking, oh, well, like, yeah, I'm not necessarily a fan of this, but, you know, there was some good stuff out of this. Yeah. Stuff I didn't expect. Yeah. They're already so closed-minded that, oh, this ain't what I wanted. Bah, bah humbug. <laughs> no Christmas this year for wrestling. Right. Right. You know, it's like, I mean, it, it, that's probably one of the saddest parts about it is we're entering into the biggest boom period in wrestling since the nineties and people are mad about it or people <laughs> are upset with it or they think this is bad or that's bad. Like guys be happy. This, this boom period impacts our whole industry mm -hmm. from the companies to the fans, to the workers Everybody should just be walking around smiling that loves wrestling right now. Right, like, yeah. Like, thank you, Jesus. There's wrestling on almost every day. I can watch something almost every day. And like you said, outside of the ring or whatever the hell the Bella show's called now, <laughs> yeah. they still have a show or the Miz and Mrs. or NWA, MLW, world class every now and again when we have a show. <laughs> you know, it's right. like there's and so many things out there. There is nothing to be upset about. There's we should only be thankful right now in the wrestling industry. And like you said earlier, there's something on every show for you. Absolutely. You know, if there's something specific you really like, you can see that on Monday Night Raw. You can see that on AEW, on NWA, on MLW, all of it. So, yeah, and you know. at, at the end of the day, be happy that wrestling's in the position it's in. And guess what? If people watch the shows when they can, it's going to make the ratings go up. It's going to make the money made go up. And everybody is only going to keep flourishing that much more. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it always drives me crazy. And it's WWE for the most part. You know, WWE uh, fans or people that turned against them. You know, like they, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like they want WWE to do badly. And mm -hmm. it's like, just because you like AEW, you don't have to want WWE to do badly. Right. In fact, you know, you, if anything, you should hope that AEW emerging makes WWE put out a better product. That's what you should hope for. You know? And, and, you know, there's, they may be in a creative slump sometimes, but there's most of the best talent in the, in the world is in WWE mm -hmm. you know? or a lot of it. There's a lot of it in AEW now too. But, and there's a lot of it all over the world. There's so many people that are top notch that haven't been discovered yet. I mean, even the independent level, flourishing you know like it's just such a great time to be a wrestling fan so you little party poopers out there <laughs> quit hating start loving and it's just it, it's more accessible i mean every i would say every part of the industry is more accessible than ever you know it's even with just how many wrestling schools there are throughout the united states but the entire world 
and how many of them are just continually like turning out great talent. I mean, Creative Pro in New York, I mean, like half of AEW's from Creative Pro whenever Lance Storm still had his school. I mean, Devon school, like every everybody everywhere, there's just so much happening. Now, I want to pivot a little bit going back to AEW specifically. Fuego del Sol. So what what was that like for you to kind of watch all of that unfold and see see him get that success and and to reach that level? You know, I mean, really, it's kind of like a proud dad moment. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, I've said this publicly numerous times. I mean, I don't even remember how long Fuego's worked for me now. Probably five, I think five years. And, uh, you know, with me being an old school person, Fuego didn't always get his due. You know, he had to work to get it. And he stayed and worked and worked and worked until like one day I wisened up and was like, you know, I even apologized to him way like a couple of years ago, whenever it was. I was like, man, I said, you know, just because it wasn't necessarily my thing, I didn't get it. It took me a little bit longer than most people to get it. And, uh, you know, I can't say enough great things about him. I'm super proud of him. Uh, you know, it's funny as I actually missed when he got signed. Um, I mean, they worked me. They straight worked me. I was watching it. You know, he lost the match, and then it went to commercial. I got so mad I turned the TV off, said a few <laughs> words I can't say on here, and I went to sleep. And so I woke up the next day, and I looked at my phone. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> and so I went back and watched it, and uh, I was so happy. I mean, you know. Somebody, I can't remember who it was. They were like, well, aren't you upset that he left to like go to AEW? I'm like, well, first of all, he still works here, you know, when his schedule allows. But why would you be upset (laughs) with somebody for a life-changing thing? I mean, he has a wife, he has kids, you know, he has a family. And it's like, I think your ultimate goal should always be wanting what's best for your people. You know, because whenever those people, whenever they're working for you, they're grinding grinding with you for the hope that you're going to provide something special for them or they're going to be able to have the opportunity to make something special for themselves. And, you know, it's your job to support them and help them get there. And, uh, you know, it was a very cool moment in Wichita seeing uh, Fuego wrestle Matt. Cause, you know, it's the first show we've had back since before COVID. So it's been the first show since he signed. And, uh, I mean, the boy's a star, man. And, you know, I used to always say towards the end, uh, before COVID, I'd say he was our uh, Rey Mysterio, but, you know, he's not. He's Fuego Del Sol, and, mm. and he is the only Fuego Del Sol. So it's uh, very amazing to see him on AEW. And and he even got me watching that little internet thing they have, that thing with Sammy. Like, <laughs> that's good laughs almost every single week. Yeah. And and I like I like stupid humor. I like I, I'm an easily amused person, so I find those shows really funny. So I, I can be happier for him. You know, I, I hope he eventually gets a lot more time on Dynamite. You know, but, you know that's uh you know it's cool for Sammy too to see Sammy do what mm-hmm. he's doing. Well, you know, it's great to see a guy like that uh, succeed, especially in this day and age with the ways you can get over in this business. And he used it to his maximum effort you know you love seeing a guy like that that you've seen here you know we're from oklahoma city and we've seen him literally in our backyard and 
to see him flourish like that on national TV. It's awesome. It makes all of us Oklahomans proud. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, anybody that's followed his journey, like, you know, you, you, I, I said, uh, you know, it was his birthday a couple of days ago. I sent him a message. I said, man, I said, you know, I told you I'm proud of you numerous times. I said, but, you know, so I'm proud of the hope that you've given everybody from around here. Mm-hmm. You know, all of the workers that are, that are hoping for that same thing, you know, like, you know, people need to understand that too, that him making it didn't just impact him and his family, but it also instilled hope in a lot of workers from this area that, you know, if you work hard, stay humble, you know, that that can be you too. And I think that's an important message from that. You know, I mean, he worked and worked and worked. He did everything that was asked of him. You know, you know, that whole pay your dues, like he paid them. And, you know, that can be anybody out there that puts in that work and that is so relentless with the dedication like he was, you know, you know, because he's come so long in five years. Him and Sammy both, you know, their first match ever against each other was for me five years ago in Broken Boat. And, uh, you know, they've come so far since that match. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Just, it's just amazing to see. And it's like you said, it it gives hope. For everybody, I mean the just the fact that that door has been cracked open a little bit more because it, it feels like for Oklahoma and for Texas it it's been closed a little bit more than it has been historically, and now we're seeing it open back up again to like hey, you know if if that doesn't make you want to buckle down even more, you know I don't know what will. You know, I mean, but it's got to be something that you do for yourself. You know, mm. Don't, I, I think a lot of people, like, they feel entitled sometimes, or they expect you to give things to them. And it's like, work for it, you know, like, like any other job. You know, your job isn't going to, I mean, unless they're shorthanded like people are now, <laughs> they might do it <laughs> then. But your job is not just going to promote you or make you a manager or something if you don't deserve it or if you right. don't put the work in and, you know, like being a wrestler, the work is like, get in the gym, you know, like if you, I mean, there's some characters that are omitted from that, you know, and, and I mean, everybody knows what characters though they are, but get in the gym, get professional gear, mm. practice working, practice talking, take as many matches as you can get to get experience, work in different places. I mean, there's so many different things, you know, there's, you know, there's a checklist and most people are aware of which boxes they need to check and. And, you know, the ones that aren't, hopefully they figure out which ones they need to check and they work on it because it's nothing's going to be given to you. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's a good example of the Fuego story, too. Nothing's going to be given to you. I mean, look how long he worked to get that contract. And people are like, some guy was like, man, he lost so many matches, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you, you just don't get it. <laughs> you don't get it. It didn't matter. You know, it didn't matter. Once he was over, he was over. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, that, that's always cracked me up anytime I ran into somebody where they're like, yeah, man, you know, like I, I probably can't lose this match. Like, <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Just, that just told you everything you need to know about that person. You know, it does. You know, it's funny is I purposely, I think it's probably a year or so. I would never call finishes. And uh, I mean, I don't want to expose too much of the business on here, but uh, I would leave it up to people on purpose to figure it out. <laughs> and if you couldn't figure out what was best for what we were doing, then I knew you weren't in the right place. 
I, I, you know, you talk about putting in the work and everything. I went to uh, AW Dynamite in Garland, Texas earlier this year. And That's I can. Beautiful venue. Beautiful venue. It was a wonderful place. It, they, the crowd was You know that's amazing. owned by a school system? Did you know that? I did not. That is owned by Garland Public School. That's wow. amazing. <laughs> but carry on. That always blew my mind because I actually oh. saw that venue a couple of years before they ran there. And uh, that blew my mind that a school hasn't cut it. Well, and I, I texted Landon as we were filing in. You know, they filmed Dark and Dark Elevation and all that before and after. And as we were all filing in, all we heard was, we want Fuego chance. We want Fuego. And I texted Landon. And I was like, Fuego's one of the most over people in this building right now. And we're about to see Britt Baker and John Moxley and, you know, all these <laughs> crazy people. And everyone's chanting, we want Fuego. We want Fuego. And when he finally showed up, the roof blew off the place. I wouldn't say no. it was the best pop of the night, but he was insanely over. He earned every one of those. No, he did. He earned all I, of those chants. I believe it. And it's amazing to see our area back him like that because he mm. deserved it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just like how natural and organic it was. You like you, you can't force that just the way it naturally happens. Now you can enhance that. Like you can, catch on to it and be like, okay, hey, that's the direction we need to go. And it, it, it's awesome to see that. So to stick a pin in that, I want to take it a little bit of a different direction for you, Jerry. Do you remember your earliest memory of wrestling? Maybe the first time you saw it, the first time you heard about it, whatever your, your earliest experience with professional wrestling was. This uh, is our absolutely. favorite question to ask. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I remember uh, I was young. I was really young. Remember flipping through the channels, and um, I came across this guy that was larger than life. He was, uh, you know, tan, muscled up, blonde-headed, you know, Hulk Hogan, and uh, I was hooked. For the minute I saw it, I was hooked. And I remember after that, I would go to uh, the local video stores, whether it be the local one in, in the town where I'm from, Long Grove, or uh, Blockbuster Video in Ardmore. And I rented every wrestling movie they had over time, both of them, every wrestling movie that they had. So I could just watch as much wrestling as possible. And, um, you know, I remember growing up and uh, just loving wrestling. And I wanted to be either an athlete or a wrestler when I grew up. And uh, my athletic career was just <laughs> not going anywhere. And, you know, I actually, um, I remember the whenever I figured out wrestling was a work, I was in the fourth grade, and uh, it was funny because I used to fight all the time when I was younger. I don't, you know, I, I mean, I guess I still fight now. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I remember this kid was tormenting my girlfriend at the time in the fourth grade. And so I ran up. I was running hard, like running hard. And I hit him with, like, the ultimate warrior clothesline. And the guy just turned around and looked at me like I was an idiot. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it was like a startling res revelation, you know. And so uh, I punched the kid a couple times in the face. That was real. And then I, uh, we were over by some concrete, and I DDT'd him on the concrete. And that was real. But at the time, I mean, and his face was like bloody. And, 
but he was a trooper. He never told on me. I don't think he, <laughs> I think he still doesn't like me, but he didn't tell on me. Hey, there you go. So, good looking out. <laughs> but you know, uh, I remember thinking to myself, like, why did the ultimate warrior clothesline not work? <laughs> and you know, most of the time, like finding out about Santa Claus is traumatic, you know, when you're a kid and it was traumatic to me too, but you know, going home that day and, and telling my mom what happened and my mom having to explain to me that wrestling was a work that was right up there with Santa Claus. It was like Santa Claus <laughs> wrestling, you know? So it was, uh, but it was always like a real big dream of mine. You know, um, Hogan and Sting were my guys. Uh, and I think really, uh, Hogan is the only person I haven't worked with. that I really wanted to, my son is actually named after Hulk Hogan. His middle name is Hogan. Wow. I was nice wow. enough. To, I was nice enough to make it his middle name. <laughs> they never had to. It, it was kind of like my own inside joke for some reason. I don't know that he finds it funny. He used to find it was funny when he when he was a kid. But you know, uh, wrestling is such a magical thing for people. You know, whether it be kids or an, an adults, I think it's magical in different ways. I think when you're a kid, you look up to these people, especially back then. I mean, they were like superheroes. Everybody that was in wrestling looked like a wrestler, you know. And, you know, I think you stick with it as you get older. It's one of the most loyal fan bases I've ever seen. Mm. But whether you're in the wrestling business or you're watching, and I think oftentimes wrestling is a getaway. You know, it's like two to three hours. Like if you go to wrestling, I mean, you might leave with a whole truckload of friends. Because <laughs> you know, wrestling is one of the most truly authentic all-inclusive things that there is it is it doesn't matter it doesn't matter where you come from it doesn't matter how much money you have it doesn't matter what color you are it doesn't matter what gender you are you can go to wrestling and you're accepted you have two to three hours to act a fool nobody gives a crap what you act like it's accepted <laughs> for whatever crazy reason and you're all bonding over this one thing that you love you know and it's um i think that's magical I think at its core, wrestling is magical and wrestling does oftentimes it'll fill voids for people, you know, and, um, you know, I remember at certain points in life, uh, you know, wrestling did that for me, you know, whenever, um, you know, it, it, it can make you feel important, can make you feel loved, can make you feel amazing to share it with other people. It can like, you know, if you're sitting by your buddy and, and this person comes out that both of you guys love and you're just losing your minds over like it's a moment, it's a moment. And uh, so many moments throughout the years of watching professional wrestling. And I think it's one of those things that, uh, you know, it's like when you're in the wrestling business, you know, if you go to your job, it's a job, you know, you're invested in it, but it's a job. Wrestling, even though it's a business, can turn personal really fast because almost everybody in it loves it mm -hmm. and they love it with a passion. And, you know, I think I think wrestling, you know, for people with disabilities, wrestling is huge, you know, because they don't get looked at any differently than us. You mm -hmm. know, they get looked at equally like they should at any point in life. You know, just like I said earlier about people, you know, like it doesn't matter the color of their skin or their gender, like everybody should be looked at as equals and they get that at wrestling. And I think they get that more so in wrestling than most forms of entertainment mm. or sports anyways. And, uh, you know, that in itself makes it beautiful. And the more that wrestling has evolved, I think that's become, you know, more to the forefront of things. And that's great too. I mean, you know, to go someplace where you're not judged, you know, and you're accepted, that's powerful stuff to people. 
you know, and that's uh, that should never be taken for granted. So I think wrestling it always cracks me up. People that don't like wrestling. I mean, you're always going to have these wrestling haters, but I think the large majority of wrestling haters they don't understand it, or they're not willing to let their mind go like that. You know, if that makes sense. That's very well put. I mean, that's hitting it right on the head. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like, there's just so many profound experiences that can be had in, in wrestling. Um, I know for, for me, uh, going to the rumble when they were in Houston a couple of years ago and being there for edge coming out of retirement. And it was just yeah. one of those, you know, for me, for someone stuck in Oklahoma and it's like, okay, like all the big shows, like they're, they're, they're skipping us. All, all the big shows are skipping <laughs> Oklahoma, skip Oklahoma all the time. Yeah. And it was, it, it was for me. I just remember leaving that night thinking like, you know, like diehard fans always talk about like their moment of like, I was there for that. And it was like, I finally got to have that moment. And it was just like, cool. Like I like now I just want everyone to have that moment to say like, Hey, I was there when, when this happened. It's tough to go back to watching it on TV, whether you see <laughs> a good independent show, whether you see one of the major companies or whatever, it's, it's always tough to go back to watching it on TV because it's just not the same feeling. Mm, right. know, there's just this this feeling of being there. I remember uh, I was at a whatever WrestleMania the Undertaker lost. Can't even remember what it was. Thirty. And uh, man, you know, there you go. There we go. <laughs> and you know, it was crazy to me when Undertaker lost. It was like you look around. It's like, man, if you didn't know better, you'd think these people lost a family member. And then you know, WWE was real smooth putting the women's match after that because it was some battle royal, <laughs> I think it was, or something. And you know their their booking was very strategic because they knew people needed a minute to just be like, oh my god, mm-hmm. the streak is over. Yeah, you know, and it didn't even have to be the women's match; it could have been any battle royal. But their strategic booking, I mean, you know, you talk about something wonderful. I mean, the advancements in women's wrestling <laughs> is wonderful. Um, I mean, you look I at the you look at the women now, and they're just as good as the guys. And then you know what's sad is they probably could have been the whole time if they weren't booked the way they were mm-hmm. and you know, now to see them flourishing on the level that they are, I mean, that's amazing, amazing advancements in wrestling. I mean, to see women main event WrestleMania crazy. I've told my wife talking about the moments, like she didn't understand it when we first started dating. She'd never, her family didn't watch wrestling. It's valid. Mm-hmm. She didn't understand it. And I told her, I had tickets to ROH, to Ring of Honor. They were coming and doing a house show here. And I said, come with me. Come with me and just imagine the night. And That's a, that's a very good way of putting it. And which, uh, which, which ROH show was this? Where Was it at Cox or, or not it was, Cox, whatever it's called? It was at the convention center in, yeah, in one think, of the side uh, rooms. Was Cody on that show? Yes, he was. Yeah, I did a... Uh, I helped them with like the organization of all of that. Yeah. And good, uh, show. good show. Very good. That's when ROH was peaking too. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And I go, just come to it and you'll, you'll understand. And so she came to that show and she saw how I reacted to it, how my friends reacted to it, you know, watched 
good wrestling and and great characters and stuff. And ever since she's been a fan, she's not as huge of a fan, but that's okay. That's okay. But that's okay. Yeah. And and now her favorite person in in the world is Hikaru Shida, and she loves she loves it. She especially loves AEW, and I think that's why I watch so much AEWs because I know she will sit and watch it with me. I think AEW is easier to watch on people that aren't necessarily huge wrestling fans, mm-hmm. just because it is a lot of mixed in entertainment along the way. I mean, it's uh, I think it's just a different product. Yeah. And, you know, I think they definitely took advantage of people wanting an alternative, which is fine. I mean, because they've delivered on it. But, you know, I think AEW makes you feel like you're more a part of them. Whereas oftentimes WWE gives you the vibe that they're better than. You. Yeah. I think it's like two different things. You know, I always say, I always use this uh, to sound silly. And I'm probably one of the few that watch something like this and get that out of it. But I always compared to like press conferences you know wwe when they have a press conference very professional and i'm not knocking either one of them like i said any of my opinions on this whole thing are not knocking anybody because i don't care to do that (laughs) you know uh, wwe's are very professional they present this i mean and and i get it like you know like this is a professional match whatever the case may be and but oftentimes it can come off as they're better than yeah. Whereas, you know, I think of the AEW press conference that they did before the company started. You know, WWE's is indoors. Everybody's in suits. It's all professional, whatever, whatever. What does AEW do? They're outside of a football stadium. I think it was a football stadium. Uh, there's pyros going off. There's um, everybody that's coming out to talk. A lot of them are just in regular clothes. But what are they doing? They're walking through the people. Mm. What are they doing by walking through these people? They're conveying that they're just like you and you should support them because they're just like you. It's like the Bullet Club, for example. The Bullet Club, by the time they got in Hot Topic, everybody and their dog thought they were a member of the Bullet Club. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. smart marketing. You know? And so it's very strategic and it's very intelligent. But like I said, I'm probably the only person that caught the press conference thing because I don't know too many people are so strange that they would pick something out like that. Well, I mean, you know, to me, it was a good analogy. Even down to them, it's it's the announcers. Like you don't see Jr. in his suit every week. He's in his polo, and he looks he looks like the people that are watching the show. You know, I think it's very telling looking at the crowds. Look at the crowd difference. Yeah, how many women and children do you see at AEW? Not very many. You know, it's more of a way heavy 18 to 34 demographics. Right. Way heavy. You know, and, and that's what I think that's definitely what they're going for. Is they're doing a fantastic job. You know, I think that's part of WWE's problem sometimes too, is I feel like they cater uh, way more towards children. And that's fine. But the bad thing is if you look at their demographics, the children's aren't the one watching it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, the, the I think the kid audience has gone from uh, crap. I cannot remember two to two to seventeen. Uh, a few years ago it was around I think twenty three percent of the audience. I think it's down to ten. Wow. Somewhere around in there, the uh, you know the heaviest demographic in wrestling is like fifty and older, which is not good for the future of wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know, AEW's come on strong in the younger demographics outside of children you know but 
if, if you don't find a way to make fans out of young children, you know, this, this success cannot be, it cannot carry on like it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think anybody inside the industry would agree with that. When you look at those numbers, it is scary. You know, I mean, the demographics are very off. And I think the numbers that I compared them to were like seven years ago. You know, so hopefully, uh, but you know, I mean, part of that too is times have changed so much. There's so much for you to watch. You can get on your phone and watch whatever YouTube, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, things are just so different, but we have to find a way to get the kids back involved in wrestling. I I've talked about it. I work in, uh, the racing world in, in, uh, race car world. And oh, that's cool. we, uh, we have an issue where our crowd is old. How are we going to get the kids and specifically teenagers and, you know, young adults back to the racetrack? And we have to do it before our audience dies off. Yeah. It, I mean, that's just a harsh reality. You know, so, I mean, you have to think now, like what are kids turning to for attention? or not attention, but what, where is their attention going? Video games, uh, TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, you know, like, you know, uh, Facebook is where we target most of our audience, not kid heavy on Facebook. Right. A lot of people target Twitter, not kid heavy either. No. You know, so I think definitely it's going to cause a lot of us in industries like wrestling and racing to really think like, it's going to really make us put a lot of our thinking caps on and figure out what can we do to get that lapsed audience back. You right. know, AEW's done a great job of bringing back some of the lapsed audience that was tired of WWE. You know, they've done a great job with that. But we got to figure out a way to get the kids back. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the big thing. I mean, you've got to you've got to create new fans that are going to be fans for life. You know, and you can't, in WWE's case, you can't rely on, like, the Bill Goldbergs, which I guess people are sick of him anyways. But you can't rely on people like that to come in and save the day. Or even a Brock Lesnar. You can't rely on them to come in and save the day. Right. Yeah, we, we've talked about it on here before. It's such an interest. you know, building stars is such a dynamic because, you know, established stars draw upcoming stars really don't draw because they they're not established yet you know exactly. they haven't gotten to that point so it's like this tricky balance of okay we we need the established star power here to keep eyes on it but we've got to take advantage of the eyes being here to build new stars so that we can phase those out and we've got our next generation and it's it, it's hard to do that i think um good and bad with like all the purging WWE did. You had a lot of established stars. Yeah. (laughs) You had a lot of established stars gone. And superstars. Exactly. And now we're seeing with, we were talking about NXT earlier. Um, you know, some, some of those guys like Braun breaker is getting pushed crazy hard. And it's just like, you know, beyond me why they will not give him that last name. I mean, I know they're not, 
I know they're not huge fans of Scott, but come on, let's do something smart for merchandising. Oh, like, exactly. are you guys that prideful? Before, that petty? before you came on, I told Landon, I go, I am way over with, with Braun Be- Breaker. He is way over with me. But oh, me I too. hate me too. that Love name. It. That name is so 80s generic uh-huh. cartoon character. I mean, make him Braun Steiner. It's not that he much different. He is a bona fide star. Look at him. He yeah. has the look. He wears the Steiner gear. Looks like his dad talks like his uncle. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's I mean, cr- it, that, that drives me crazy. Like, you know, I mean, Vince is notorious for this, I guess, a lot. You keep thinking he's going to turn over this new leaf. Because, I mean, for years, they started letting people use their names. You know? Right. But who knows how, how deep that heat is. I know I know it's there on both sides. Because <laughs> I mean, I've worked with Scott for six years now. But, you know, I mean, it, to me, that's just so petty. So mm-hmm. petty. But, you know, somebody brought this up to me. A Hall of Famer brought this up to me. I never thought about it like this. He was like, um, who is the last superstar that was really creative? Superstar. I was like, I guess Cena. Really? I mean, yeah. Because he said a superstar is somebody that, I mean, maybe Roman, but he said a superstar is somebody that when you go through the airport, that somebody that doesn't watch wrestling all the time knows immediately Mm. who that person is. He transcends. Yes, and he said, do you think CM Punk is that person? I said, no. And I like CM Punk, but he's like, if you don't watch wrestling, would you know who that is? And I was like, no, because he looks like everybody else. I mean, not me. Got more hair than I got. Looks like he gives me this to you. Um, But, you know, I said, he's like, who would you recognize from now? And I was like, Cena, Roman, maybe Roman, Rock. Yeah. And that's it. You know, I think there's a fine line between being a star and a superstar. Mm. And I think part of that aura of a superstar is they look the part, you know. And, I mean, props to Cena. Cena carried that ball longer than anybody. You know, and I'm not even a huge Cena fan. In fact, I don't even like watching Cena wrestle. But much respect to John Cena for carrying it like he did, but they can't keep lying on these people like that. Mm-hmm. That's definitely not helping the younger fan base. You know, a superstar whenever you may not like him, but you notice the absence. Mm. Absolutely. And when Cena left, you noticed that absence. I wasn't a huge Cena fan, but when he came back, it was exciting yeah. because he Absolutely. filled the void again that they haven't filled up yet. And then he left, you know, so it's mm-hmm. like whenever they leave, then what? You know? right. Yeah. He left and now we're on to Braun, Brock Lesnar again. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he's back, you know, until he's not, so, I mean, it, it is what it is. You know? <laughs> so. And Brock is a legit draw. You know, I mean, he's a legit superstar. You know, it cracked me up whenever, uh, you know, people were talking about the CM Punk return. They were like, Oh, I had this conversation with some guy. He was like, oh, man, like it was so loud. You know, there was like, it was so loud. And then like they tried to bring Brock Lesnar back. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, let me put this into perspective for you. It was loud because it was his hometown. I said, and they were very smart how they pulled this off. 
was in his hometown. It was in an arena full of 15,000 people. So obviously, you know, you're comparing it to, to SummerSlam and Allegiant Stadium, which is a humongous stadium. You're comparing a 15,000-seat venue to the acoustics of a 55,000-seat venue. Of course, the acoustics are going to be louder mm. than a full 15,000-seat arena because it's smaller. Yeah. But a 55,000-seat venue like Allegiant Stadium is not going to have those acoustics because it's so wide open. But no matter how you paint that picture, 15,000 people were there for CM Punk. 50,000 were there for Brock and that is fact. Yeah, I always say this. So going back to uh, the Royal Rumble when Edge returned, like incredible pop wasn't the loudest one of the night. The loudest one of the night was Brock Lesnar getting eliminated from the Rumble because that's when he was doing, <laughs> hey, I'm going to start at one. And I mean, seeing the people in front of me like just coming unglued because they're like, great, Brock's going to win. And where he's going to be crammed down our throats, and then he gets eliminated. You would have thought like Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold, The Rock, everybody came back and for one night. Like you would have thought the greatest thing ever happened because of how happy they were to see Brock eliminated. But it's like, I mean, th that's the testament of how great of a heel Brock is. Is like, is he if he was able to outdo Edge's retirement comeback reaction by just being eliminated. There are no baby faces without heels. Exactly. The antagonist drives the biggest business. If there, there is no antagonist, I mean, the business is not flourishing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Cause then, you know, you know, what's the payoff of somebody beating someone else? You know, we talk about how, you know, MJF, um, and the blood hunter and there's just a handful of others that you could say are true heels. You know, they're not trying to get their merch over. They're not trying to, <laughs> you know, get something trending on Twitter. It's like their goal is they want you to pay money to see them lose because of how much you hate them. And it's like, it, it all goes back to the emotional investment. Absolutely. And it's like, that's, that's, that's a lost art in, in my mind is it is. In a lot of ways. I mean, you know, I get it on an independent level. You know, you have to make your money. But it's hard to be a true heel whenever you're having this match and you're being this this character. But then when merch time rolls around, you're going out and you're being something totally different. Right. Like, yeah. Hey, buddy, I know you I know I flipped you off a minute ago in my match, but we buy one of my eight by ten. Yeah. Go in like, a t shirt for a discount because I'm a nice guy. You, <laughs> you know, you know a heel is working the right way when I've seen a video of MJF at an autograph signing and it was free for everyone there. And whenever you got to his table, he said, yeah, 20 bucks. <laughs> and they were like, well, it's a free signing. And he goes, I don't care. 20 bucks. <laughs> and it's not because I, he cares really, about the money. He's caring no, about it's the, the principle of I think if you're going to do those things, I think that's a great way to do it. I think you have to stay in character the whole time. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? Like, people want to believe. They want to buy into it. So you would probably sell merchandise possibly even more if you just stayed in character. 
Right. Because then you're giving these people an interaction with your character, which is what they're paying to see. You know, they're paying to see Hulk Hogan. They're not paying to see Terry. Right. Exactly. exactly. You know, I remember being a kid and, and uh, like I legit hated Ric Flair, legit hated him, like with the passion, because somehow he always weaseled out of it. <laughs> and I remember getting older thinking, man. That dude was seriously great at his job, like on a serious level, to have some kid hating him that bad. So, well, before we uh, start getting out of here, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about your own promotion. Um, oh, crap. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, hey, it's good to have General Wrestling talk. Right. It's that's what we love to do is we just love to sit and talk wrestling with friends and, and especially with people that we don't get to have these conversations with, you know, we've got to pick your brain about wrestling as a whole. And, you know, but we also want to, you know, try our best to get your promotion over, you know, man, I was doing way. a horrible job at it. So I'm <laughs> glad you guys are doing a better job. So, well, we talked about it just, you know, first post COVID show back in Wichita yeah, and the Sam and Bloodhunter match, Chef's Kiss, <laughs> Fuego versus Matt Hardy. It was a great card, like a great it card really back. Man, everybody worked so hard from top to bottom. It was a, it was a really great day. I love Wichita. Some of the best fans in pro wrestling. They're so appreciative, and uh, you know that that makes you work even harder for that type of crowd. Um, you know, it's the first time I've seen Jacob Fatu in five years. Wow, uh, man! He's, I mean, he was good then, but he's gotten so good. Yeah, match with him and Moonshine, both of them are very, very special. Very great match. Blood Hunter and Sandman, great match. You know, they, you know, Blood Hunter, uh, very physical, so so imposing too. You know, believable, believable. It, it felt like an old school just brawl, and yeah. I mean, it was a brawl. Yeah, and you know that to me. Uh, that's what it it needs to be believable, you know. Fuego and Matt, of course, that was special. You know, um, you know, Gino Medina and Gideon Bain, you know, two other good talents. Kyle Hawk, great talent. Uh, trying to think, of everybody on there. Kurt Can, Kurt Gannon, Double D, great talent. Marty Bell and Erica put on a hell of a mm. match. Um, you know, it was it was good to be back in the fold. You know, it was a. Uh, you know, you can try it. It's like almost I always said wrestling is kind of like the mafia. You can like try to get out, but you're really not getting out. <laughs> right. You know? I mean, I think I, I, I'm one of the league leaders in retirements, but, you know, especially physical wrestling. Like, man, I try to retire from physically wrestling all the time, and somehow I end up doing it again. <laughs> I was laughing before I went out there. I was like, man, I'm 40 years old and I'm still wrestling. But, you know, it was a, a great way to come back. Um, you know, whenever COVID hit, that was tough. You know, uh, wrestling companies can't really go out and get those PPE loans. <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. You know, so I really thought at that point, I thought it was done. And then, um, you know, it was a big decision for me to decide, to decide to come back. And, you know, before I made that decision, uh, you know, I thought my best days were already passed. You know, I mean, I've been very blessed to do a lot of things I never thought possible. Uh, you know, God definitely, uh, gave me more than I deserve. And, you know, when the chips started falling uh, with us returning, you know, now I don't think that's the case. I don't think that, uh, 
I feel like everything that happened before was to prepare us for what we're about to go through. Um, mm. You know, us securing the CG TV deal for the streaming service was a big deal. You know, uh, I've turned down a lot of streaming deals over the years because it's usually those, uh, oh, well, you know, we'll show some commercials and we'll give you a percentage of it. Like, mm, no. <laughs> You know, this is, uh, to my knowledge, from probably one of the largest independent wrestling deals ever. And that was a huge blessing. Um, you know, we have the show coming up in December, Christmas Star Wars, with, um, with uh, you know, the Von Erics and, uh, you know, so, much, so many amazing talents on there. Uh, it'll be the first time that Eric Embry and Kevin Sullivan have worked together uh, as the booking team in person. Uh, we've been having conference calls every week with the three of us. Uh, they work so well together, two of the most brilliant wrestling minds. Anybody could mm. be blessed. Um, you know, we have uh, a new championship coming out, the welterweight championship. We're going to debut that in January or February. It's going to be based off of, uh, the light heavyweight championship from the original world class that Eric was the most prominent title holder of. Um, it's going to be 175 pounds or less, and that's a shoot. If you weigh over that, might even have a skill there. You can't get in there. <laughs> so somebody's got to be cutting to get down to that weight. Hey, I love that. I think it's great. You know, that was uh, Kevin Sullivan's idea. Great idea. Uh, I'm telling you, those two together, they work like clockwork. They don't even need me. <laughs> I, you know, I don't even think I need to be in those conversations sometimes. Uh, you know, starting in January, uh, we have a full slate of shows next year. Our, our goal is to do at least 40. Wow. We have uh, 24 with our two home venues, 12 each, um, of uh, Southern Junction in Irving, which is where the December show's at, and uh, the NITEC Center in North Richland mm -hmm. Hills. Um, our goal next year is to, uh, we're going to have possibly three different shows. We're going to have our main show. We will have a show dedicated exclusively to CGTV and a show dedicated to YouTube. So we're going to produce three shows. Um, we're also preparing for a full return to Oklahoma, mm. uh, which is a, a big deal for us. We haven't really been active in the pro wrestling scene in Oklahoma on a full-time basis in I don't even know, three or four years. Um, you know, I feel like it's a good time for us to return to Oklahoma. Um, I can't really talk a lot about this because it's not public knowledge yet, but uh, we're also going to be venturing into uh, boxing and MMA. We're fixing to become the first promotion to ever do all three. Wow. And uh, so I think that's a, a pretty big deal for us. Yeah. You know, just the stars align sometimes. And, you know, I never saw myself doing either of those. <laughs> you know, I'm not a big fan of, well, <laughs> one of those. Um, well, really either of those. <laughs> but um, I think it's definitely an interesting challenge. And uh, yeah, I think we have the crew to pull it off. Our wrestling product is, um, you know, we're, lo we're looking forward to really expanding and building upon what we had before, but making it even better. Uh, you know, I think eventually down the road, you're going to see us uh, host a show that probably features all three products at the same time. Wow. Um, we'll definitely see the return of Oklahoma this year. Uh, just, man, just one thing after another, you know, it's uh <laughs> we're going to try to put together, uh, we're looking at a show, World Class Forever, which will be a big tribute to the original World mm. Class. In a lot of ways, um, conventions, panel, all of that. Uh, you know, it's weird to be going from like, you're done with this, to now that all of this. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, man, I I am very blessed in Detroit. My, my wife supports me, which is a big deal. You know, she goes to all of my stuff. Which, you know, I adore her for that. On top of putting up with me every day, <laughs> and uh, you know, our kids. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's a good time, and it's a good time to make these moves. And uh, you know, for anybody watching. You can go check us out on all of the social media stuff. I don't know where we're at. Uh, you can go to our website, worldclassprowrestling.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't, because uh, that's where we post all of our new content first. Uh, it's been great working with Hannibal at the Hannibal TV. Uh, he's done an amazing job on our YouTube. Uh, you know, he's so knowledgeable of this stuff. And I think that's a key. You know, it's no different than working with Eric and Kevin. I think that's the key to building something bigger than you surrounding yourself with people that you can trust and people that are better at this stuff than you are. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's, it, I'm really looking forward to, uh, you know, working with amazing talent. You know, that, that show in October was great. The show in December is going to be great. And there's so much talent that's came around, you know, just being gone since COVID that I haven't seen. And that's exciting to see that talent. The independent level, you know, it's not just WWE and AEW. Whenever they're doing well, it trickles down to all of us. Mm -hmm. So, thank you guys. Keep up the great work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the we talked about it at the very beginning. The boom is great for everybody. And it is. I mean, you know, it's you know AEW what they did during COVID too. Uh, you know, like AEW Dark. I mean, that's one of the best gifts that wrestling has had in a long time mm -hmm. to be able to see that many independent talents wrestling on a show like that. You know, that that's man. That's a huge blessing, a huge blessing for everybody that was involved in that production. You know, that's, yeah, it was almost like, you know, I don't keep up with it religiously, but, you know, every week when I would see the little match cards pop up and stuff, you know, it's, I was so excited to see so many talents from around here, get those opportunities. So many talents that have worked for me. You know, uh, it's always good seeing my boy Justin Roberts on AEW, too. He's one of my <laughs> favorite people. So it was good to see him get back in the fold because, you know, uh, he's right up there with me with the Fink. You know, it's like Howard Fingle, Justin Roberts, everybody else. <laughs> and, and, you know, he takes so much pride in what he does. You know, it was funny. Uh, we had a show in Arkansas, and uh, I had to be the ring announcer. People don't realize how hard these jobs are. And, uh, you know, I tried to keep it a well-kept secret. He's like, where's the video of that show at? And I was like, leave me alone. <laughs> and I think it was Randy Price, our production guy. And, you know, Randy is, he's one of the guys behind the scenes. You know, he wrestles as retro Randy. People have no idea how talented this dude is. He's one of the best producers in the game. Best editors. I mean, the dude is top notch. I think he somehow slipped that to Justin because Justin, he's like, yeah, man. He's like, I, I saw that show. And I was like, how? <laughs> Never told me how. And he was like, you really weren't as bad as I thought you'd be. I was like, oh, oh thanks. He's like, you yell on the mic too much. I was like, thanks for the tip. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't think that has anything on like my commentary picture. Whenever we were first, uh, I don't know if either of you guys saw When Worlds Collide. No, it wasn't Worlds Collide. It was Rise of the Revolution at uh, mm. Firelink Arena. You know, after it was over, we did DVDs, right? And uh, I'm so cheap. I thought that me and Coyote could do the commentary. <laughs> we sit down to do it. By the time the show was over, I was like, man, that was bad. Ooh, man, that <laughs> job sucks. I mean, that job does suck. 
that that takes talented people to do that job. So you know, we I start working with Jr. and uh, you know, working under Jr. and me and Gene for a couple of years, learned so much. Learned so much. Jr. taught me how to write TV. So we uh, produced these DVDs. We're we're at When Worlds Clyde, which was the first show he worked with me on. And he's sitting there at the merch table, and he's like, "You're not going to give me one of those DVDs?" And I was like. I mean, I guess if you want one, <laughs> they're thinking, I hope you don't watch it with the volume up. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're only the greatest of all time. Right. So the next time I saw him, he was like, yeah, you know, I watched that DVD and I was like, <laughs> he's like, it was pretty good. And I was like, oh, thanks. He goes, who in the, did the commentary? <laughs> and I was like, like me and Kyle, sir, and we know it was bad. <laughs> he's like bad it was awful no. <laughs> thank you sir there you i will go. not do it again i promise <laughs> <laughs> learned your lesson so, many props to all the commentators and ring announcers out there keep doing your thing i'm proud of you. i wish i could have been one of you but it's not a <laughs> oh man well seriously you know the beautiful thing about wrestling one of the many beautiful things is if you're dedicated and you want to be in the wrestling business and you can go into it with an open mind, it's like getting on a bus. You know, there's so many seats on the bus. And if you really love wrestling, you respect it, you will be good to it. There's a seat for you on that bus. Mm. It may not be the seat that you want, but there's a seat for you on that bus. You know, a lot of people don't know. Uh, you know, I always wanted to be a wrestler, but I never wanted to be a promoter never and uh you know what's funny is i've been promoting since my very first match <laughs> maybe i realized early on subconsciously like bro you're not very good you're gonna have to promote for anybody that you rest. no maybe it was like subconsciously like jerry suck bro you had to run this thing to even get up get some airtime. you know it's like oh you were two-time champ yeah you were that promoter that put the belt on yourself bro <laughs> mm, yeah you know what i mean and you know, the funny time is I don't think either time that was my idea, but somehow it ended up. <laughs> I would never take that title again. It's too much trouble. You know, one time I left it in a town. I had to go back. They saved it for me, thank God. I straight left the title. I was like, hmm. <laughs> But, uh, you know, there's a seat for everybody. And you just got to be uh, comfortable enough with yourself to allow yourself to sit in the seat that you need to be in. And I think whenever you do that, the rest just falls into place, mm. you know. I mean, in those seats, I mean, like I said, it can be any job there is. It's just up to you if you're going to take it. Absolutely. I I think that's a perfect way to end it. I, I agree. I, you know, this is, this has been our best show by far. The insight that you brought. <laughs> uh, you guys don't have to lie to me. Hey, it's, seriously, it's this was one of the best conversations that we've ever had on this show. And well, thank you guys. We I really appreciate, appreciate you coming on. And it this has been usually a, about an hour and a half. I'm sitting here going, Yeah, I'm ready to get done with this, but I could do this all night. This was this was great. Uh, I appreciate appreciate you guys a lot for having me on. You know, I, I hope everybody that watches this or listens to it. Um, you know, I hope you take the time to appreciate what we're going through right now. Because it is a special time in wrestling. You know, the 90s will never be recreated. They won't be. But this is a whole new special period. Appreciate mm -hmm. it. You know, don't be that guy that's getting on your keyboard 
every every night or every day after a show and picking apart everything that's wrong. Talk about the things that were right. Absolutely. And that doesn't even have to do with wrestling. It has to do with life. Mm-hmm. You know, be positive. Talk about all the wonderful things in life. You can sit there and gripe about everything that you don't have every day, or you can be thankful for everything that you do have. You know, be good to each other and love each other. It's not that hard. I mean, some people forget the golden rule. Even I do on occasion. But, I mean, treat others the way you want to be treated. You know, put your faith in God. You know, you don't have, I used to think a long time ago, like uh, one of my best friends, lifelong best friends, uh, he's, he's always been like a really hardcore Christian. That's great. You know, I always thought like, you know, there, there wasn't a place for me for a long time because I wasn't perfect. You know, God doesn't need you to be perfect. God just needs you to have faith, trust the process. God doesn't work on our time either. He works on his time. There are oftentimes I wish he worked on my time, but <laughs> you know, it happens when it's supposed to. And, you know, you know, like mental health is such a big deal right now. If anybody's struggling with depression or anxiety or anything like that, you know, feel free to send me a message. If you don't have anybody else to talk to, you know, we're, we're never alone. It's a wrestling community should stick together, should support each other, should love each other, shouldn't be tearing each other down and tearing everybody's products down. There's no need for that. Absolutely. Well, Jerry, seriously, thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for giving us your time tonight. Oh, thank you guys. It's a pleasure. We'll have to do it again. Absolutely. We'd love to have you again. I mean, I could probably do this for like seven hours, but we don't. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. I, I think to sum up everything, do the work and keep an open mind. Yeah. Just, you know, be respectful of the business and be respectful of yourself and others. Mm. it'll all fall in place yeah and it, it's not hard to do <laughs> it's it, oftentimes the people make it way harder than what it is <laughs> exactly <laughs> well jerry seriously thank you again thank you guys everybody have a great i guess it'll be morning right when this drops everybody have yeah, a great sure. day tomorrow have a blessed day tell the people close to you that you love them.